Hi, I'm Nikki. I want to inspire you to live authentically. My aim is to raise consciousness through interviewing people that are living truly to their nature and purpose. Jerome, you're a bioengineer and you call yourself a water whisperer. So let's start with the first one. What is a bioengineer? So a bioengineer is a, an engineer. Um, so I can only compare it to other ones to explain. So a structural engineer, when a structural engineer builds a wall, they take steel and concrete and foundations and kind of build it. Um, but a bioengineer will use some, will grow it. So a hedge is a bioengineered wall. So a hedge is not only um, kind of grows by itself, it also just uses natural sunlight and water and minerals to come into place. It doesn't need mining or manufacturing. So would bio always be plants? No, it's, we use um, a lot of microbial technology. Uh, fungi are incredibly powerful. Um, but yes, absolutely, kind of everything works together. So, you know, plants are, don't exist on their own. Plants are absolutely dependent on bacteria and fungi and all sorts of things in order to be plants. Just like human beings are not human. You know, we're only 10% human biologically. And so explain what you mean by that. Well, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a trotted out statistic, but we only, kind of 1% of our biological cells in our bodies are human. The rest are viruses and bacteria and all sorts of different things that, that make us up. I mean, we, it could be said that, that we are just bacteria that are being supported by human bodies. Right, that's very interesting and a little bit scary as well. So basically, you would see us as a soul in this body and the body is made up of bacteria and all sorts of other things um, that well, it's, it's aren't necessarily actual human body. Yeah, I mean, just like a plant isn't just a plant. You know, an animal is not just an animal. A cow, for example, can't digest its food without a, a belly full of bacteria. And it's actually the bacteria that the cow swallows, not the grass. The grass is to feed the bacteria. The bacteria is what the cow swallows and uses as food. So it's, life is a lot more complex than we think it is. You know, also, we don't even know whether we control our own thoughts. You know, it could be bacteria that are controlling our thoughts. And there's very interesting case history for that. Wow, okay. So um, perhaps let's go back to the water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about controlling thoughts, um, but what you, what you uh, specialize in is actually water whisperer. And I can hear some frogs in, the, yeah. in these beautiful pools that you've created. Yes. Um, tell me a bit about what you mean by that you are a water whisperer. Well, I mean, it's ever since I've been very, very tiny. Um, I've been fascinated by that world, that aquatic world. And, you know, just the, the ancientness of it and the complexity of it and the beauty of it. You know, you put your head under the water. You know, we see a reflective surface most of the time. But if you go to a rock pool and you actually go underneath that and see what's going on, I mean, it's a, it's a different universe down there. And that's always been uh, so attractive to me that people thought I was weird as a child. You know, when everybody was, was pretending to be horses or dogs, I was pretending to be a fish. <laughs> so, so it's kind of in me something, this, this affinity with, with water. And um, how I kind of discovered 
my true calling was actually through a, a plant medicine um, journey that I that I was doing, and uh, it's a bit of a story. Let's hear so, the story. Okay. What plant medicine was it? <laughs> it was it was San Pedro. It was the first right, which is a cactus. Yeah, it's a cactus that grows in um, uh, Mesoamerica, um, hallucinogenic cactus um, that has a, a kind of a soul to it. You know, it has a a personality. Like all living things have personalities. Uh, San Pedro has its particular signature. Do you think you did that, um, d went on those journeys because you felt different as a child? No, uh, that's not what I know. Um, I think it's the same thing as being fascinated by the unknown, you know, plumbing the depths of what there is to plumb. Uh, and plant medicine is just another dimension to get into that. And I mean, the world, uh, what we understand scientifically, if any decent scientist worth their salt knows that we know nothing, the more we, we, we unpeel, the more the can of worms just explodes, you know, and it, there's, there's the unknowable as well. And if we stick with a conscious, logical mind and try and decipher everything that there is to decipher in the universe, we, we'll never understand it. You know, you could spend millions of years on the scientific process and yes you will understand certain things but you'll be missing so much more I mean I don't even know if there's a ratio that you could use it's probably one in ten trillion you know the, the logical mind and the, and, the, and the unconscious what we can understand and what's actually going on around us so uh, when you went on this particular plant medicine journey, it really um, brought up something very special for you that made you understand why you were doing what you were doing. Yeah. yeah Tell absolutely. me that story. So, I mean, I've been in this work ever since I can remember. Yeah, I was, from, as I say, from a child, that has been my career. I've never done anything else. So EcoPools has been around for about 13, I think 14 years now, going on 15 actually. And... Um, uh, it, it kind of puts, it's the vehicle for putting all of this into, in, into the world. It's for bringing all of this understanding and experience and feeling into a physical structure you know, that people can have and hold and, and benefit from and swim in and, you know. Enjoy. And enjoy. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Enjoy on, on many different levels. Levels that, that, that people don't even know they could enjoy water before they, they start really enjoying water. You know, because water, we experience dead water all over. Our baths are dead. Our swimming pools are dead. Showers are dead. We, we are encountering, we, when we drink, we're drinking dead water. Everything is dead. We're taking in this death. And how do we drink live water? How do we swim in live water? I guess swimming in the ocean would be swimming mm. in live water. Exactly. And the experience that you have, what it feels like to get out of the ocean or a mountain stream is very different. And we know this. We know this at the depth of our, our beings. And that's why people flock to water. You know, for holidays, people go to the beach. They go to rivers. They go to dams and lakes. They hang out there. They swim in it. Because it makes them feel connected in a very different way. And so EcoPools is just a way of bringing a little bit of that magic into your space. 
and and you there starts to be a, a, a conversation and a relationship that happens between you and that water body because the water body is 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 alive and so it's conscious life is conscious and you know we are a, a very large percentage of us is water living water and so we're communicating with this water and when we swim in it and we start to, to, to change it and it starts to change us, a relationship starts to happen between us and our kind of personal little little piece of, 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 of river, you know. But you've known this for a long time, which is why you started working with water in the first place. What was yeah. your real realization after okay, your so, journey? So <laughs> <laughs> um, it was during the journey, so uh, we had all been on our own um, experiencing what we had to experience, um, what San Pedro had to show us. Um, and then at one point we all gathered to come inside because there was a musician who was going to play. And um, so we were all waiting for everybody to come and gather. And we couldn't move on because there was this one guy who was really struggling. He was really struggling with something. I mean, I'm not going to divulge what that is because it's his personal stuff. But um, so I hung around at the pool and it was one of those classic horrible pools that nobody owns and nobody maintains and it's kind of the water slightly grey with embalmed flies, you know, they just don't decompose, they just kind of move around and a creepy crawly stuck in the corner going tick, 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 Oh tick, my gosh, tick, how tick. many times have we seen that? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and the pool going, the, the filter going oh, oh, oh. Almost like that is the pools doing that. <laughs> yeah, no, well, well, that's the thing, you know, so, <laughs> so I'm experiencing this very profoundly as you experience everything profoundly on, on plant medicine. And uh, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't bear it. It was, uh, th this pool was, was really in pain. I felt the pain of this water, it was not happy. It felt like it was, it was on its deathbed. And it was just plugged into tubes, you know, but it didn't have life of its own. And so Powerful image. Yeah, yeah, and that's what pools are. They're dead, they need to be supported. Anyway, so I went up to the pool filter. The first thing I did was switch off the pump. And then immediately I felt this like relief. Ah, this pool just was relieved. And then I realized, hold on a moment, there's something going on here. There's this, oh, I'm getting prickles as I remember it. There's something going on there. I'm actually communicating with this water body. It's, it's wanting to talk to me. And so I, I, I went up to it and I started kind of talking to it, saying, you know, don't worry. You know, everything is actually going to be okay. And I put my hand on it. I just put my hand very gently on the meniscus and felt this immediate plug-in. And the water again let out another like, oh. And then it started telling me what it wanted to do. The, the guy who was struggling with all the people on the journey was on a little balcony just raised, a stoop just raised from the pool. And the pool said, it is my purpose to absorb and water is the universal solvent. It wants to just absorb everything. It absorbs sunlight and, and, and nutrients and minerals. And it, 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 it doesn't care. It doesn't judge what it's absorbing. It's just, it's there to absorb. And water can absorb incredibly. You know, it has this amazing capacity for absorbing all sorts of things, including pollution, you know, which is why people just dump stuff in the ocean. It's just will keep on taking indiscriminately, indefinitely. And... It said, all I want to do is absorb and I can't because I'm saturated with this poison. I'm dead. I can't do it. And one of the things that I feel like I should be absorbing now is the pain of this man. 
Sorry. <laughs> okay, so. Quite a profound experience for yeah. you. Um, and so, and so it's my relieving of its pain allowed it to do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, well, mm. so I realized, hold on a moment, I can do that. I can allow the waters to do what it's supposed to do, which is heal. And it's, it's all dead. It's all dead. And we need to heal it. <laughs> we need to just let it do what it's supposed to do, which is absorb all the, all the pain as well. And all the joy too. You know, just let it flow, let it be alive. Because without that life, it's, it's, it's not doing its purpose. And the planet is a water planet. It's the only planet on in, in, this, in this, the, this solar system that has water. And for all we know, it could be the only one anywhere. We just don't know. No, it's unlikely. Uh, numerically, it's unlikely. But but what if what if it's the only place in the universe that has this water that just wants to that wants to commune, that wants to perform its incredibly powerful purpose? So I realized, hold on a moment. This is it. This is why. This is why I was brought here to. To open up that connection, one of our cries. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. it's it's very profound to have that understanding, and it's big. It feels like it is. Although there are other people that that have this goal, that want to clean up the planet's water, it's it feels heavy on your shoulders, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe, but I think the emotion is also, uh, I think it's the size of it, as you say, it's that immensity of it. Really absorb all our stuff and be what, it's, what you see it to be. Mm. Um, how do you go about doing that? What, what is that? What can that give for people and how do you go about doing it? Yeah, so um, the second part of my understanding of what happened there is that what water does is it wants to transmute. It wants to take pollutants and in the boiling kind of microbial soup down there, which dates back to the first bacteria of time, you know, where life came from, it, it, it's incredibly powerful. You get these kind of anaerobic spaces where there's no oxygen. You know, the earth only achieved oxygen once plants came, came around. And there was billions of years after the first bacteria were living and dominating the planet. And so it's still there, the, 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 the fossil record or beyond, below. Below and behind the fossil record is the same bacteria that lived in the primordial soup, you know. And they're around and doing powerful stuff, you know, on a molecular level, like breaking chains and pushing things together again. And then above them is a slightly more evolved, uh, more recent layer. And then above them is another layer and above them is another layer until you get to the oxygenated layers. And then there's layers of that as well. And that all kind of works as an incredible biological machine to transmute stuff that we call pollutants into life, you know. And so which enables plants, which are a relatively recent life form, 
to then suck up the nutrients from that transmuted uh, soup into beauty, you know, into absolute beauty of form and function and, and flower, you know, which is kind of the sexuality of the world. The openness. The yes. I'm here. Exactly. And so there's, there's that that is created. And so what we do is bioengineer that. So if you, that happens in nature, but on a much w bigger um, scale. So, you know, people haven't got space for an, a lake in their backyards. Um, so we concentrate that down. So it can work in kind of miniature almost. Uh, and so it's, a, it's, it's about replicating or trying to replicate all of that. And we constantly evolving that space. Right. So we're, we're um, in collaboration with, with uh, quite a big international network, um, including the Bioengineering Institute at Ghent University, uh, who I communicate with uh, quite uh, often. And we constantly are evolving this filtration technology. So it's about also looking at biofilms and engineering biofilms. And I'm not talking about, about genetic engineering. You know, we're not changing the genetics of anything. All we're doing is providing perfect environments for different bacteria and all sorts of other things. Is that what a bioform is? A biofilm. A okay, biofilm. so biofilms are, that's a whole thing. I mean, my, my, that's really where my passion, where my bioengineering, hit the rubber hits the road is in engineering biofilms. So uh, biofilms are like these tropical rainforests, but in miniature. So if you look at any wet living surface, it's slightly slippery. And that is a biofilm. Okay. And it's got incredible form and function. It, it channels water. It's highly intelligent. Um, it's got a, a, a fungal matrix that it runs on. Um, and uh, sure. Uh, Depending on, on, on how you set up the flow of water, which direction it's going, sideways, up, down, what mineral gravels you use as a substrate for them to grow on, how long you let them grow and when you harvest them or not, um, gives you a, quite a fine control on nutrient levels. So what, what does that do? What, how so what do you do with that? So, um, the big problem with swimming pools or any really water bodies is algae. You know, you don't want algae to bloom. Well, we don't, as humans don't. I mean, animals love algae, you know. Algae is a, a food source and a place to hide, and, but humans don't. So, our whole thing is how do we control algae biologically instead of pouring chemicals into the water and killing the algae, which then doesn't take care of the nutrients because the nutrients are coming. They're always coming. You know, the pollen and when you swim, you shed enormous amounts of skin and hair and that all oil. goes into that oil and, and birds and you know, all sorts of stuff. And water is also has a, um, an electrostatic charge on its surface. It's highly magnetic. You know, that's how it sticks to things with this magnetic charge. And it's the reason why redwoods can grow you know, hundreds of meters up in the air because of that electrical um, um, magnet magnetism. You know, it's kind of sticks its way up these narrow pipes. You know, it's highly sticky water. Okay. On its surface, it's sticky. Just below the surface, one layer of molecules below the surface, it's completely absorptive. So it's this incredible kind of absolutely absorptive stuff wrapped in a membrane of stickiness. And so, um, 
the stickiness pulls the, the nutrients in and the, the absorptiveness pulls, pulls things apart. And that acts as food for algae. Mm. So if you don't control that somehow, so chemicals kill the algae, yes. but the nutrients still building up all the time. They're constantly building up and you're constantly having to fight that war harder and harder put more chemicals in the water and more and more and more. Sounds like the issue for all farming exactly, and growing. Exactly, <laughs> exactly the same issue. It's exactly the same principle. And so what we do is then we say, okay, how do we take that nutrient out of the water? And so there's various different ways to do that. One of it is using a biofilm. That is the primary way. That's the first thing you do. So it's like improving soil. So yes. you're taking the nutrient out so that the algae doesn't grow. Well, okay, so you're transmuting the form of the nutrient into a form that is available to other things. Okay. So the biofilm, well actually the biofilm also absorbs in its own, you know, it is a layer of cells and that layer of cells get thicker and thicker um, and in that way it absorbs nutrients, it, tissue. Tissue developing is how you absorb nutrients. So that's the one form of tissue growth. The other form of tissue growth is plants because then they are sucking up those available nutrients and turning it into, into growth, leaves, stem, flowers. Um, and then there's the animal life as well. You know, you get little bugs grazing on the side, you get uh, tadpoles, which are a larval phase of the frog and they just eat and eat and eat. And then when they turn into a frog, they leave, you know, they jump out or you get insect larvae that develop into flying forms that, that leave as well. So there's various ways of exporting that nutrient from the system, which nature does, um, that chemicals don't, you, know, you, you cannot. And it doesn't matter what form you treat the water, you can treat it in any way you like, the nutrients are still gonna be there. Right. Um, yeah. And the advantage of this all is that you're basically using, there is, the, the we do use pumps to move water around, but very, very small amounts of energy. And in fact, if you've got big enough systems, you don't even have to use a pump. You use wind to, to move the water. Um, there's also a, a, a technology that uses plankton migration, you know, plankton. Uh, has a tendency to migrate up and down in the water column. So in big lakes the plankton yes. moves up and down and, and mixes it? Yes, yes, yes. Just a cumulative movement of millions of organisms actually mix lakes. And there's, there's uh, an incredible story about Lake Victoria about what happened when they introduced um, a predatory fish, the Nile perch, which is a big predator. So Lake Victoria um, supported a big artisanal fishery uh, you know, um, local fishermen catching small fish, um, really small stuff. Uh, a lot of endemic cichlids, which are these tiny little fish that are not seen anywhere else in the world. So the Great Lakes of Africa have got a high degree of endemism. So fish that you don't see anywhere else in the world. Each lake has got its own little population. Thousands of different species that are, that are it is like more species of fish in Lake Victoria than there are mammals in the Northern Hemisphere species-wise, wow. you know, like really intense, um, because they've been isolated for so long, the African Great Lakes are ancient. Anyway, so they, they had a livelihood out of this, but not a very rich livelihood. And so they st the government decided that they would introduce Nile perch, which are these massive fish that get like really big, but good for, for sport fishing, you know, for tourists to come in and catch a nice big fish on the lake. And so they introduced them and uh, the, these Nile perch proceeded to eat everything, wow. all of them, to the extent that they ate all the fish. Well, I mean, 
Many of them. 99% of them. And they started eating each other because there was just nothing left. Wow. But the consequence of this is that Lake Victoria died because the nightly migration of the fish that were following the plankton up and down. So they would follow the plankton down uh, during the day and follow the plankton up at night. And just this m slow movement of, of millions and millions of different individuals was actually mixing the lake. And that stopped. And so slowly but surely the an anoxic, the oxygen-poor la layer of water rose and rose and rose through the water column until finally it came to the top and everything died. Wow. Yeah. Did they fix it? Well, slowly but surely, yeah, they started taking out the Nile perch, but a lot of that endemism is gone. You know, all of those species just never came back. Um, but I'm just saying that the power of small things is, is, is actually what makes the world go around. You know, the big things are inconsequential. Mm, yeah. Like bacteria, microbes that run our bodies. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And back to water yes. whispering. Mm. What is your idea of whispering to water? Where does that come from? Well, I was lucky enough during my studies, uh, I studied a, a lot of aquaculture. I was in fish farming for many years. I still do consult from time to time, um, although it's a bit of a strange industry, fish farming. It's, uh, it's a monoculture, you know, it's a farming monoculture for the most part. So. I kind of lost my love for it because of that. Um, so I try and consult in ways that, it, you know, that I, I slightly deviate from that model. So when I travel to the east, they have a very different way of, of seeing water because they're very integrated with it. You know, they've grown up um, for generation after generation as fish farmers. and they see it in a different way. So we'll describe water in a very limited number of ways. It's, a, you know, it's warm or cold, it's got high pH or low pH, you know, there's all that scientific analysis of water. But they talk about it in a completely different way. They'll talk about happy water, sad water, dry water, wet water, um, water that's, that's fluid and water that's, that's stuck. You know, so they have a whole different way of being with it. And for obviously for me, this was fascinating. Yeah, and Western so mind, a water being dry sounds yeah, exactly. very strange. And now I can go up to water and I know, I can see, and we use this terminology in the company as well. You know, oh, we've just been to this pool and it's looking a little bit dry. You know, and everybody now knows what that means, but it won't come up in, a, in an in analysis. You know, the analysis of, of wet water and dry water will will come up the same, but we know that there's something there. So, okay, we have to add a little bit more, more movement, a little bit more oxygen. We have to change the planting a little bit, you know. Um, so in that way, and I think it's just when you open that channel to communicate and you don't prejudge or limit the way you're analyzing things, a lot of information starts flowing in, you know. And I think it just accumulates over years of, of dealing with something. I don't think it's something that you can, that you can simply copy or get from a book. So, you know. so a lot of it is intuitive? Um, I think so. I mean, I don't know where the line between intuitive and, and, and being able to observe the world differently happens. You know, I imagine that people like the Bushmen, uh, Khoisa, um, when they're walking through the bush, um, they are observing stuff that we would just never, we would never perceive it. You know, we just don't have that map 
in our minds. We don't have the language for a, a little twig that's sitting out of the ground like that high. They know that underneath the ground there's something else because they know that twig. So whether they're, whether they're intuiting it or whether they're just observing really closely, I don't know where that line is or not. So mm -hmm. I don't know what I, what I do. I mean, I, I think that maybe it's a bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that for any intuition, sometimes we, we something that we've learnt over, over time becomes intuition. It's not something that we think of cognitively. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like when you start driving, you have to think about what you're doing, but then once you're driving, it's, it's part of you. Yeah, you can start to become a really good driver. What excites you about creating uh, water bodies for people? Mm. Just really how it changes them, how it changes their perception of the world through water. You can imagine a child growing up in a, with a chlorine pool and what their perception is of what is clean and what is, uh, you know, sterile is clean to them, you know. So there's no life, therefore it's clean. It's okay because it's dead. Whereas a child growing up with a, with a, with a natural pool is understanding that, that actually it doesn't have to be sterile to be clean. It doesn't have to be blue to be clean. Exactly. And, and it can be something so much more. And so I think that, that the, what people learn from just having this incredible uh, thing in their lives that is a, a teacher, it's a lesson for them in so many ways. Like patience, for example. You know, it's, we live in this incredible... This, this instantaneous world, I order it online and it's there tomorrow, you know, and it's instant, I've got it. And whereas with water, it's one of the, it's, it's really interesting educational process actually that we have to go through. And a lot of it is kind of couples therapy in a weird way, you know. Often it's, it's couples, families that are interested in introducing this thing into their lives and... Something more natural. Yeah, something more natural. Um, uh, people come to it for different reasons. Sometimes it's super practical. It's like we, we don't want to deal with chlorine anymore. We don't want the expense of it. We don't want the difficulty of it. We just want something that kind of takes care of itself. And so we can set that up for them. Or it's people who, uh, who want the beauty. You know, they go, God, what this gorgeous thing. Why would you have this dead blue square when you can have this amazing thing that draws animals? Something living. Yeah, I mean... What a difference. So how does it, how does it become couples therapy? Uh, well, I think it kind of goes back. Wh wh that was another realization I had on that, on that San Pedro journey is that when we are consulting with the process, we are the first line of their education into a world of having something there to absorb their stuff. So right. before they've got the thing that actually does the absorption, we as a company, um, the, the, the lot of us, kind of are interacting with that client in one way or another. We're also interacting with the land. You know, we're interacting with the garden. We're interacting with the life. And, but the consciousness of those people is turning even when we start interacting with them so that we absorb a lot in the process. I mean, you speak to any contractor, they have to absorb a lot of stuff. It's a relationship, you know. And uh, so what we've come to realize um, is that when you bring consciousness to it and you're realizing, okay, this stuff is going to come out, you know, during the process. But it's okay because in the process of doing that, the, we are building the pool. 
So when it comes to the end of it, when it comes to actually giving them, handing over this thing, this conscious body, this conscious being in their lives, um, we either say it overtly and say, okay, so now look at what happened, look at the process, this is what happened, the, the dynamic of how this evolved, and I'm going to leave your life now, but I'm going to leave this, this conscious body behind that can carry on doing its work for you in the background. You don't have to do anything. Mm. It'll just carry on transmuting all the shit and turning it into beauty. It's yeah. nice to be conscious that something is there doing it for you. Exactly. Um, and so uh, we bring that consciousness in when we design and we interact with the client. And hopefully that consciousness can carry on forward. And sometimes we do it. We actually give a gesture like a, a stone that is engraved with a word, that uh, any word. You know. And there's the whole um, emoto thing of words in water and how the emotion can be absorbed through the stone. Or, or yeah, that's beautiful. I actually yeah. really like the idea of leaving stones with words around your, around your conscious pool. Yeah, no, exactly. But I mean, also, on a, it can be on a purely practical level, you know, it doesn't have to be taken in like that. It'll work nonetheless, you know, and, and work beautifully. And also, you know, what we've done over the years because of the bioengineering aspect is that we've got, we've got very good at different systems. So we have different things for different people. So if people want a really clean, clear-cut pool that has none of that visible, um, then we can do that. We don't even have to use plants. You know, we can but it's still a living pool. It's still a living pool. But it looks like a, not quite blue, not that sterile blue, but it's almost that. Um, or we can go for something which is an integrated kind of pond, you know, where it's all kind of one and it's all it's rocks and birds and things, you know. So, so we can give people that choice. Um, so that's from a practical and aesthetic perspective. And also what that translates to is maintenance. How much you're interacting with the pool. So how much is the biology doing itself or how much are you interacting with the biology? So for example, when you've got a lot of plants, you have to keep on trimming and interacting with those plants in order for the system to kind of carry on. Um, right. You can leave it too, you know, but it'll just won't be as good as something that you maintain, like a garden, you know, when you maintain a garden. Or a body. <laughs> or a body. If you maintain it, it works better. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but also remember, we're miniaturizing something. So if you look in nature, like a lake has got swathes of planting, you know, like a, a kilometer of, of arum lilies, for example, on the banks. Um, whereas here, we're squeezing it all in. So what wants to happen is that things want to dominate. So there's going to be a, a destructuring, you know, an entropy. So the one plant is going to want to grow amongst the other plants. So to mm. keep it as a garden, you have to keep it as a garden, you've got to put energy in. Put a conscious decision in what you want growing and, and what you don't want growing. Exactly. So that's on the plant end of the spectrum. But then we also have on the, on the engineered end of the spectrum, which is the microbes, the biofilm, where we can engineer is that the biofilm is, is working to such a degree that you have specialized bacteria that grow in a, in, a, in a series that take out nutrients down to a level which the other systems can't. In which case you don't have to do maintenance at all because it's a biological maintenance system. And then we have systems that you press a button and it's kind of resets. Biologically, I'm talking about a biological button, I'm not talking about a 
like, do you have one for the human body? A reset <laughs> button? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> well, actually, every time you get in, Aha. it's resetting you. So you're, you're, you're earthing. So all your electrostaticness is falling away. And what an aura is, I'm not sure. But I imagine that if you could picture it, what your aura would look like in a chemical pool, probably frazzled, or what it would look like in a natural pool, which is probably soft and, and like just flowing. I mean, I imagine we're resetting a hell of a lot going in. I mean, you feel it. You yeah. jump into this water and you feel reset. That's for sure. And then afterwards, when you get out and you're sitting in the sun and it's like tingling and you're really clean, like really clean in that way that you don't only have to shower afterwards. Exactly. Because <laughs> yeah, your hair is soft and your skin is hydrated and it's, that's a reset. I imagine that a, that a pool with uh, less plants will cost a lot less than a, a pool where you have to add in um, a lot of, of plants and microbes and and really work with layers of the water? No, it's actually the opposite. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So the planted systems are quite simple biologically. But the, the, the microbe system, because you're using very selected uh, media and very selected pathways of water flowing, they're actually more expensive um, just because of what goes into them. Um, but we have kind of combined these things and are constantly working on, a, on cheaper and cheaper systems. As we understand more, we can do things simpler and cheaper and, rely and more reliable and with less electricity. So this, as the years go by, we are offering more diversity. Wow. So really, more and more people are able to have these beautiful systems in their homes, which is, which is what part of your vision. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's all about bringing that consciousness to people. And if we could do it in the cheapest possible way, that everybody could experience it and get used to normal water, then that would be amazing. Living water. Yeah. Well, no, living water should be normal. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be the exception. You know, it should be what we interact with all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much for bringing your knowledge and wisdom about water and water whispering. Okay. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the Nixie Pod podcast. Please do subscribe. <laughs>